0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hey guys, it's Gabi and welcome back to the What's Gabi Cooking in Quarantine podcast. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabi. I'm the founder of What's Gabi Cooking, which is a food website. I'm a best-selling author. I have a lot of products at williams Sonoma, and now I'm a podcast host. What's Copy Cooking in Quarantine is your one-stop shop for all your food-related questions. We're going to be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry, and more. Every episode, I'm also going to be highlighting a super cool company that's doing awesome things as far as home delivery goes during hashtag quarantine. So without further ado, this is What's Copy Cooking in Quarantine. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. Hi, Thomas.
0: Hello. Happy Friday, everyone. Thanks
1: for joining me today.
0: I feel super official now that I have my own mic and we don't have to share.
1: If you guys could see what Thomas is wearing right now, we've been together too much.
0: It's the quarantine special. He's
1: (laughs) wearing a tie-dye sweatshirt, which is what I've been wearing for the last month, and a bandana on his head.
0: And a mustache.
1: You're thriving.
0: I'm living it up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing?
0: I'm good. This is conducive to what we do. So yeah. We're we're making the best of a not great situation.
1: Nope. But we're staying home and we're staying safe. And I hope everyone out there is doing the same. Um, we have some really fun questions today. We're going to talk about some of my favorite things. There is hummus involved. So let's get into it. Hey Gabby. it's Kimberly from Fresno. I just finished using some parsley that I bought for a recipe. And now I'm stuck with a huge bunch of fresh parsley. So I was wondering if you had any ideas of what I could do with that. Maybe like a vinaigrette or a dressing or something. I don't know. But if you know, let me know. That'd be great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, Kimberly. Thanks for calling in. And this is such a good question. And I feel like we're going to dive headfirst into parsley. And then we're going to apply that to all the other herbs because there's a lot of overlap. So parsley. Thomas, first. What is this face? You don't love parsley.
0: I'm not a big parsley fan.
1: But you know, I put it in things and I hide it from you.
0: I, yes, I'm aware of that. And I find it occasionally, but it's just not my favorite flavor.
1: I, on the other hand, love parsley. So I would say if you have a little bit left over or a couple bunches left over, you get in your CSA, whatever, here are some ways that I love to use it. So number one, if you don't want to make a recipe or anything like that, I would chop it up put it with some olive oil, blend it in like a Vitamix, a Nutribullet, wherever you want, just like a little blender. So it kind of infuses into the olive oil and then pop it in an ice cube tray and into the freezer. That way, when you need a little brightness to brighten up a pasta dish or a meat dish or whatever it is, you can pop out one of the frozen olive oil cubes with parsley infused into it and melt it into literally everything. If you want to get a little bit jazzy, I would say there's a salsa verde recipe on whatscabbycooking.com that goes really well on meat and there are other herbs in it. So you don't have to have it just be like predominantly parsley. You can use it to make a chimichurri sauce. You can use it to fold into beef or chicken or lamb to make meatballs or burgers or something like that. It's also really good on things fish. And lastly, I would say you could use it to make a vinaigrette like you could add it to the basil vinaigrette or the cilantro vinaigrette on my website and use that to drizzle on literally everything. You would put a vinaigrette
0: on it. Parsley is just not my jam.
1: But like what if you had leftover cilantro? You would be into that.
0: Yeah. And your cilantro vinaigrette's great.
1: So the same thing goes for cilantro, basil, chives, tarragon, all those applications. I mean, the olive oil in the freezer thing works for all herbs. And I would highly recommend doing that, especially as we get into spring and summer and herbs become a little bit more available for everyone, maybe in their CSAs or they're seeing them at the grocery stores. Don't be afraid to get in there and get some herbs and really brighten up all your dishes. And there's salsa verde on my site uses a bunch of different herbs. So just mix and match, find what works for you and your family, or just put parsley in everything like I do and pretend your husband doesn't notice.
0: I will have to say though, sorry, I'm chiming in late here. With the herbs and the sauces that you make and the different sauces, you can basically cook up a bunch of chicken or a bunch of veggies and have different flavors each night. So you're not getting sick of the same food over and over again, which is what I love.
1: Right, so if you roasted potatoes, you could put like an herb vinaigrette on it one night. You could put ketchup on it the next night. You could put salsa on it. You're always giving yourself a little bit of a zhuzh. All right, what's next? Hi, this is Lauren from New York City. My question is whether you could cook pulled pork in the oven or in some other way if you don't have a crock pot stock pot, Instapot, or any of the fancy gadgets that exist. Appreciate all the help. Thanks. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for your question. And I love this. Let's talk equipment because no, the answer is you do not need to have an Instant Pot or a Crock-Pot or a slow cooker or anything like that to make shredded chicken, shredded beef, shredded pork, whatever you're looking to shred. All you really need is a heavy bottom pot with a lid that can go into the oven. And so I would do it, for example, let's say... A slow cooker recipe says to sear the meat off on a skillet and then transfer to the slow cooker with some liquid and some onions, different aromatics, and put it on low for eight hours. If you want to do that in a heavy bottom pot, I would preheat the oven to 300 degrees. I would sear the meat off in that heavy bottom pot, add the liquid, the aromatics, the spices, whatever you're going to add in there, pop the lid on and then just put it into the oven. And it'll probably take... Two and a half to three hours, depending on what you're cooking at 300 degrees. But the key when you're trying to make shredded meat of any sort is check on it carefully, obviously, because that pot's going to be super hot and see if it's easy to shred it apart with two forks. If it is, that's great. That means it's done. And then normally what I like to do when I'm making shredded meat of any sorts is shred it and then leave it in those juices that are remaining in the pot or the slow cooker or whatever and let them reabsorb that and then you can use it for anything.
0: Can you use your KitchenAid mixer hack for pulled pork?
1: I'm so happy you asked that. And that totally wasn't planted. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) So I've talked about this a lot on Insta Stories and Snapchat back in the day when we all were still on Snapchat. But yes, if you put on your paddle attachment to your KitchenAid mixer and put whatever meat it is you just cooked into the KitchenAid and turned it on, maybe for 30 seconds at slow speed. It should shred everything very easily in a uniform fashion. That way you can fold it into quesadillas, a quinoa bake, pasta, whatever it is. It takes kind of the work out of it for you.
0: And after you shred it, you put it back in the juices, right?
1: Yeah, I would put it back in the juices and just let it hang out in there for like 10, 20 minutes just to reabsorb all that flavor. Also, it's just less you have to clean up then because it it's soaking it up. All right, who's next? Hey, Gabby, this is Brie from Seattle, Washington, and I am craving hummus, but I just ran out of tahini, so I'm wondering if there is anything that I can swap out and substitute for the tahini in your hummus recipe. Thanks. Hi, Brie. Thanks for calling in and bringing up my most favorite subject in the entire world, hummus. God, I love hummus. Don't you just love it when you eat hummus and you radiate garlic for like six days straight?
0: That's basically Gabby's diet from the first two weeks of quarantine.
1: <laughs> okay. So let's talk about tahini because tahini at its simplest, I mean, it is, it's just ground sesame seeds. So if you don't have tahini, that's totally fine. You can still make hummus many ways. Here are a couple things that come to mind. One, you can just make the hummus recipe on my blog with no substitution. It's basically becomes less of a hummus, more of a bean dip, but it's still just as good. And you can still flavor it with all the roasted garlic or paprika or whatever it is to give it some extra oomph.
0: Would it have the regular consistency?
1: It wouldn't be quite so creamy, but it would still be delicious. And the key to hummus is really blending it until it's uber smooth. So you could still achieve like a great amount of creaminess. It just wouldn't have the same like luscious flavor in your mouth.
0: Are you all about peeling your chickpeas? I love peeling a chickpea moment. Why do you do that?
1: Because it makes it even smoother. You take off the skin from the garbanzo slash chickpea and it makes it even better. When you peel garbanzo beans, you'll see the kind of like skin that comes off. And it's just basically like wasted stuff in your hummus. Like it's not adding any flavor or anything to it. So it makes sense when you take it all off, you'll see. If you want to substitute something, here are a couple things I have done in the past. I just actually ordered some tahini online from Seed and Mill. So check them out if you want tahini, but you could use nut butters. Personally, I like a sunflower butter, but I've also done it with almond butter and cashew butter before. I have used just straight sesame seeds if you have some white sesame seeds in your pantry. You could throw those in and just like really let your blender go to work because you're going to need to ground those up really fine. You could use a little sesame oil to give it a hint of flavor, but still not replace the uber creaminess. But that would also work. And then one thing we did, I can't remember where we were in the world when this happened, but someone made a bean dip and used Greek yogurt instead of tahini. And it became a little bit of a lighter, more Greek moment. And it was delicious.
0: Question back to the nut butters. Yeah. Could you use peanut butter?
1: I mean, yeah, it would no longer taste like hummus. Actually, no, I retract my, <laughs> I retract my response. Too
0: much of a peanut flavor. Yeah, in that. I think
1: peanut butter is too overpowering of a flavor to put in a bean dip. But almond butter, cashew butter, like a Brazil nut butter, that kind of stuff would be a little bit more conducive to the hummus flavor. But peanut butter and garlic would be weird.
0: That would be very weird. I just asked because you said nut butters. Yeah. And it's also always in the peanut butter section of a store.
1: It is because it's like buttery consistency. Yeah. But good luck with the hummus. I expect pictures on Instagram.
0: What's your favorite thing to eat with hummus? Like what's your favorite vessel?
1: I mean, I can confidently tell you I'm not putting enough vegetables in my body. So I should answer and say celery or Persian cucumbers. But I haven't been able to find Persian cucumbers anywhere so i've been eating it with a lot of pita and a lot of homemade naan <laughs> and
0: like hummus toast and all that yeah,
1: yeah. just carbs carbs yeah. are my favorite vehicle all right let's see who our last caller is for today gabby it's stephanie last name laura ver miller it's a long one people just call me stephanie law anyway stephanie from Portland, oregon and here's what i really need i need to know how to cook polenta to make it creamy and actually taste good and I mean the real stuff, not the stuff that comes from the tube, like that you start with the fancy coarse ground meal and the whole shebang. And while we're at it, risotto too, those two things are challenging and require stirring, which I'm completely capable of. The time I have, the technique I don't. Help me. Polenta and or risotto. Thanks, Gabby. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for calling in. Let's just get right into it. Polenta and risotto are two of my all-time favorite things to order when we are out at restaurants, and I do love making them at home. I just made risotto on InstaLive recently, and it gave me a lot of joy. Here's the thing. When you have either of those dishes at a restaurant, I'm not going to lie to you, it is full of butter and cheese. (laughs) Well, maybe not the risotto, but the polenta full of butter and cheese. And then risotto is full of cheese. So those two things are very helpful in developing flavor. For polenta, what I have a recipe for caramelized mushroom polenta on my blog. And then there's a new polenta recipe coming in my cookbook in a couple of weeks. That's really good. And the key is you start by just boiling the polenta in some water. You could do it in milk. You could do it in stock and you're going to cook it until it's tender. And then you're going to add butter. You're going to add Parmesan. You're going to add all the things into it that are going to give it its actual flavor because just on its own, a traditional like polenta, it's not going to be super flavorful. So you really have to add to it. I love putting basil vinaigrette on top or caramelized vegetables. It's really good with different kinds of cheese or some mascarpone like whipped into it.
0: Do you traditionally add wine into it as well? Not Are a
1: polenta, but I would add wine into risotto. Risotto, yeah. So let's talk about risotto because there's so many conflicting opinions on this. Most people will tell you, and this is true, you need to saute some onion or some shallots or some garlic, add the arborio rice, deglaze it with some wine, and then start to add the stock. Here's where I differ from most chefs. Most people will warm up stock in a separate pot and then add it in half cup Amounts. A, I don't warm it up because I'm not trying to get another pot dirty and I don't want to do more dishes on top of what I'm already doing. And two, I add it kind of like a cup, a cup and a half at a time because as long as you're consistently stirring and it's absorbing the liquid slowly, it's still going to be delicious. And going back to the deglazing with wine, red wine or white wine both work. And then when you're done and the rice has absorbed all the liquid and it's really delicious, you're going to want to add. I like to add a little bit of Parmesan. I like to add. A little like lemon. I always add some mascarpone cheese or cream cheese. Like this is quarantine cooking. We are just doing what we got to do. But that gives it like that nice creamy consistency you normally find at a restaurant. And then same thing goes with the planta. Top it with whatever's in your pantry. If you have some leftover green beans, char those up and put them on top. If you've got asparagus, that would be good. What's your favorite kind of risotto?
0: Right now, I'm on like a. I don't know if you ever made this or not, but like a bacon or a pancetta kick in the risotto. Does I that just, sound good?
1: Yeah, and I just breathed into my mic so heavy because I was like, that sounds delicious. Yeah, we should make
0: that. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had it from you, but that's just it's... A the, pancetta risotto? Yeah, like the smokiness of the pancetta with the creaminess of the risotto. Like
1: That sounds delicious, yeah, we Thomas. Should, we should definitely make that. You should be on the recipe development payroll.
0: My cookbook is coming out next month. <laughs>
1: But yeah, for both those things, risotto and polenta, they just take a little bit of time. You can't rush them. It takes a minute to cook them and then feel free to beef up the flavor with all the things because really that's what develops a really great well-rounded dish. All right. That's it. As far as questions go, let's talk about a super cool company who is doing that nationwide delivery. So I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that we were having problem finding tortillas, right? So I have discovered the flour tortillas and remedied that situation. Head back a couple podcasts if you want that information. But Another thing we couldn't find are tortilla chips. I mean, every chip at the grocery store has been sold out the one time I've been there in the last month. But I was like, we had all these avocados that came in our CSA, and I was like, we need chips. So for those of you who live in the Pacific Northwest, this might not be new news, but for the rest of the country, I need you to go to JuanitasFineFoods.com because I feel confident in telling you that they're the best tortilla chips on the planet. Like they taste like fresh out of a restaurant, but they... Are obviously not. They were shipped to you. So they've been sitting for a couple of days. They are truly extraordinary. It's JuanitasFineFoods.com. They ship nationwide. They're amazing. Nachos are in your future. You can thank me later. <laughs> All right, that's it for today's What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine podcast. Be sure to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future. If you have any questions you want answered or a cool company you want to see featured, call me and leave me a voicemail. The number is 888-338-4429. And make sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening and follow along with me and Thomas on Instagram, What's Gabby Cooking and What's Thomas Eating, Instagram, Twitter, the whole nine yards. For more recipes or the ones we talked about today, check out whatscobbycooking.com and I will see you guys later. Happy weekend.